Heroes get remembered. Here's the windup. Legends never die. Fastball hits deep to right. This could be it. Way back there. Oh, Welcome to Hardball. Today, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. Major League Baseball's history in first person. Conversations that span almost 20 years. It is 9.46 p.m. With the men who saw and made that history. Sandy into his windup. Here's the pitch. Many of whom are no longer with us. Swung out and missed a perfect game. Stories from the 1930s. To the 21st century. This is Hardball. Dad, you want to have a catch? Welcome into Hardball. My name is Chris Domino, and this is Episode 7 as we make our way through firsthand accounts of baseball's history together. I appreciate you finding us. I know how many choices there are in the podcast world, and if you subscribe and download to this and others and those to come, it certainly can help push this project along. I mentioned it before, and I will again here. It's been an honor as well as a pleasure to be able to sit down with these men and every bit the honor and pleasure to have them now out in the world for you, the baseball fan. Please rate and review if you get a chance, because again, I've been told that that helps as well. Now on to our guest today. Bo Jackson wasn't special. He was special and different. The kind of special that evokes this from baseball scouts. Can simply do it all. A gifted athlete. The best pure athlete in America today. He was 18 at the time that was said. The kind of different that turns down the Yankees after being picked that year as a second-round pick, a year the Yankees were coming off a World Series appearance. By the way, he had promised his mom that he'd be the first member of their family to go to college. He kept that promise, and he made another one to her that you'll hear about later in our conversation. What kind of special was he? Well, the kind of special that wins a Heisman Trophy in 1986, and the kind of different again that tells the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, thanks but no thanks, after being picked number one overall in the draft that same year, leaving millions on the table. The kind of special that plays in a Pro Bowl and an All-Star game, the leading vote-getter, by the way, in the American League that year at over 1.7 million votes, and that was before the first Bonos commercial had ever been seen. Oh, he had already run for 221 yards, including a 91-yard touchdown run in his first Monday night football game before that. Bonos, if you're old enough, you know too. Arguably the greatest marketing campaign in the history of marketing campaigns. Nike isn't Nike without Bo Jackson. We found that he would never have the opportunity to display his full talents as an injury sidelined him from even passing a physical in football. And after a triumphant return to baseball, he would walk away one more time from millions again after the strike shortened MLB season of 1994 to start a life with his family. I met Bo in Atlanta and asked if he had an interest in doing a baseball only interview. I knew he didn't do much to begin with, but I think he saw my interest in discussing that part of his life in particular, as opposed to having him tell some of the same stories you tell to the booster club at a fundraiser. What was that second promise to his mom and more is coming up. Oh, and some of you probably know this. Bo Jackson threw fists a lot as a kid. That will happen when you're a stutterer and you're being made fun of at almost every turn because of it. It's the type of childhood that can derail a person's best attempt to live out their best possible life. Luckily for Bo and those of us who watched him do some incredible things, that didn't happen. Here he is, Bo Jackson. There's Bouncer right side. They got a hurry. 
check the speed. Here's his first major league hit. He knows exactly what he's doing. Spider-Man. That ball hit deep to right field. Tarnival goes back, looks up. You can't put it in the ball. Yes! Bo Jackson in his first at bat in the 93 season. Warhand time. Deep to right. The hat trick. But uh, that bow down there, that's a pretty interesting hobby he has for his vacation. I don't know if there's ever been anyone doing that. Hey. He's remarkable, and look at that one. Bo Jackson says hello. That was awesome. Bow on the charge. Bow is there. Yo, on the run get up that wall. I'm impressed. I'm not usually impressed that much. Hardball's legends of the game. We're going to talk to a gentleman I've been trying to track down for a while to talk a little baseball with. You can certainly wear the crown of the greatest two-sport star athlete of my lifetime. He is Bo Jackson. Tonight, we'll talk a little baseball with Bo. Mr. Jackson, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right, Chris. And you? Very good, sir. We do appreciate your time. I know you do get a lot of these requests, and I know you have a lot going on in your life. First of all, congratulations on all of the things that you've actually branched out to do. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Do you find yourself as fulfilled as you thought you might be in the world after athletics? I'm ecstatic about my uh, life after uh, sports. Uh, um, I am finding it very intriguing and a lot of fun as being uh, Mr. Jackson, a businessman. Well, good for you. And uh, my wife actually had a chance to see you in Georgia pretty recently. You were actually at a supermarket doing one of the promotions. Yes, I was at one of the local supermarkets down there. If I'm not mistaken, I think it was a, I think it was a Kroger. You were at a Kroger. That's, that's... I think it was at, at a Kroger's, and I was uh, introducing... I think my uh, sweet potato pie by Mrs. Smith Bakeries and my nutritional bar to the public. And the Better Bars, uh, Bo and Jackson's Better Bars, bar, yeah. correct? Well, Bo congratulations on all that. Bo, I got to ask, let's start off. As, as we said, we're going to talk some baseball with you tonight. Uh, what age did you play your first organized baseball game at? What age played my first organized baseball? I think I was nine, ten years old. And I was on the Little League team, and no one wanted to be the catcher. So me being being the uh, neighborhood bully, I told him, just and I would catch if you sissies are too scared. And that's how, but, and I caught for the Little League team for about two weeks, and then about a month later I was catching for the Pony League team. And how did you actually make your way? Because I know in high school you played shortstop. At what point did Bo Jackson the catcher become Bo Jackson the shortstop? Kind of wherever the coach put me, that's where I played. Now, my favorite positions when I was in high school was shortstop and center field. And uh, my coach, he actually forced me to pitch. I didn't like to pitch because I thought it was boring. <laughs> and um, that's where I was scouted as a pitcher and a center fielder back in high school. Now, you also, obviously the high school career must have went well because we're going to tell people something they might not know about you getting drafted out of high school and what might have been for Bo Jackson. But I'm also curious, is it a silly question for me to ask at 9 or 10? Was it a pretty, quote-unquote, easy game for you? Were you pretty good at it pretty quickly? Well, but I have to say, most people say that I'm very at athletic, but I look at it is that I was one of those rare kids that was blessed with just natural speed, and I could throw rocks 
as if somebody was shooting them out of a rifle. So by running and throwing and putting that out on uh, the baseball field, it was just a match made in heaven for me. Um, um, no one stole bases on me. And um, people were very intrigued to come to my neighborhood to watch this 10, 11-year-old kid throw out throw out 15, 16-year-old ballplayers from his knees at home plate. And, um, but I just loved it because it all involved throwing. And you also, as a catcher, you said pitcher was boring, but as a catcher, you're involved in everything. Uh, from a positional point of view, do, yeah. you, do you think you could have stayed behind the plate? And do you think if anybody would have said, hey, Bo, this is where you're supposed to be, do you think the career might have actually happened for you professionally as a catcher? Yes, yes, but I, I know that it would have. But but um, but uh, the baseball coaches wanted to utilize my speed and my arm at the same time. So center field and shortstop. In terms, yeah, all the positions being in center field, left field, right field, shortstop, that's where they use me. Now here's what a lot of people might not know because I didn't know until I started doing a little research. You were drafted out of high school. Tell everybody what team actually drafted you in the second round. Actually, I was drafted by the New York Yankees. Now I have to ask, how uh, close? Drafted by George Steinbrenner. And uh, he wanted wanted to give me a ton of money to come to New York and play because at that time uh, Reggie Jackson was in the outfield and another Jackson, I think his name Greg Jackson was in was in um, right field, Reggie was in left if I'm not mistaken and he wanted to draft me so I could come up and play center so the outfield would be all Jacksons and uh, at the time I was being pursued very heavily by by uh, Alabama and Auburn to go to college, and I figured that well that I can go to college and I can hone my skills and get a free education. So why not just wait for another four years? And if they are, if they are still interested, then I'll do that. But I turned the Yankees down out of high school to go to college. Now, how close did you come? Was there a moment when you said, you know what, I just might do this, or was it never really a possibility to sign well, that contract? Being an eighth of ten and growing up very, very, growing up dirt poor, um, and having somebody to thrust six figures up in your face to go and do something that I probably would have done for free, but it really allowed me to put my life's perspectives in order, meaning is that I can accept this six-figure signing bonus and probably go play baseball and make some money. Um, and then once it's over with, it's over with. But I said it's not every day that I can go to college, all expenses paid, and play just as much baseball football and run track as I want to to hone my skills so I chose to I chose to I chose to go to college and just like I'll go back and say growing from growing up poor you can't miss something that you never had and I wasn't raised as a wealthy person with six figures thrown at me every day so no it wasn't a hard decision 
for me. I knew what I wanted to do because I figured, hey, but the government is going to take half, half of that six-figure six, six salary, and then I got to pay bills and do this and do that, then it's going to be gone. In four years, I can have a college education, and I'll have it for the rest of my life. No one can ever take that away from me. And it sounds like, obviously, looking back, a heck of a decision on your part. Now, I, I, this might be a silly question. Did you go to Auburn on a football scholarship? Did you go on a baseball scholarship? Was there a split? And did I you went to Auburn on a football scholarship. Did you have the conversation with the football coach and the baseball coach, letting all parties know that, hey, I do want to do both? Well, not both, because I did three. I also ran track at Auburn. That's right. Uh, but, um, yes, actually they knew that I was an avid baseball player and track, but in the baseball coach and the track coach, was as they were they were ecstatic. And I let it be known. Well, I asked if I kept my grades up to par, I would like to participate in baseball, I would like to participate in track. And I did that upon getting to college. But my roommate and I, we made a pact with each other, is that we aren't going to be two of those athletes that spend four years at, at college and don't have enough credit hours to be a first-quarter sophomore in four years. Mm-hmm. So we actually made ourselves... Whenever he didn't feel like going to class, I yanked him up, pulled the sheets off of him, opened the door, let the cold air come in, throw water on him, and he did the same things to me. In turn, we both got our college dig dig we both got our college degree and he went on to running a youth center right there in Auburn and I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm now, in the food business, food and staffing business right now. Now, Bo, you, you get drafted in the second round out of high school, but I guess the reason you stick around to the fourth round and Kansas, Kansas City takes you is I'm assuming everybody must have thought, hey, this guy's going to go play professional football. So a bunch of baseball teams passed over on you a number of times in those first three rounds. Yes. Yes, they did. And I'm a firm believer in that things happen for a reason. I don't go back and question nature or the man upstairs about why certain things happen. I just go along with the flow. Joined by Bo Jackson on Hardball's Legends of the Games tonight. A couple other things for you, Bo. You you make it to the majors in only 53 after playing only 53 minor league games. Again, people might say, oh, it came so easily for you, but hitting a baseball and doing the things it takes to be on a baseball field every day professionally, there really is nothing easy about that. No, it's not big because you have to prepare yourself mentally. You have to prepare yourself mentally to go out and get yourself locked in to get that one, two, three hits per game and play solid defense. You have to do that every day. Um, Baseball, it's almost like chess, almost, which means in order for you to be successful, you got to counter what your opponent does. And, Bo, you showed a lot of raw ability in the first couple of years, and then you get hurt, and I think a lot of people will tell you, too, we'll talk about the injury and then you coming back from it, you really do become a more disciplined baseball player. But when Kansas City released you initially, was that something you expected? Were there discussions about that? How much did that actually hurt after the injury? Well, it really didn't hurt. It didn't hurt. But the thing that hurt me was that I had built such a good relationship with 
my teammates, and just not having that camaraderie with the guys that I used to have for the past four years. That what hurt me. But I learned early on that in professional sports, it doesn't matter how good you are as an athlete, um, the league, the team looks at you as a commodity. And whenever they feel that your services aren't helping them any longer, you get swept under the rug, out of the uh, door, and they really don't care where you go from that point on. What kind of ball player would you describe yourself as before the injury, your first few years in Kansas City? How would you describe your game? I was a mediocre ball player, but um, a lot of people have different opinions. And if I were going to analyze myself, I would have to say um, I was I was only as good as my opponents allowed me to be. You come back from the injury, you sign with the White Sox. You you look to be a more disciplined player, and maybe it was the rehab itself, and maybe it was some other things. Maybe it's just the maturity that comes with playing as many baseball games as you had at that point. But did you think, hey, I'm not only going to beat this, but I am going to be a better baseball player? I didn't rehab after my hip surgery to come back to play baseball. I rehab so I can enjoy the everyday lifestyle that I live. I wanted to get back into doing the things that I do, be it hiking and camping, hunting, riding my bikes, doing things with my family, that that everyday thing that we take for granted until something like what happened to me happened. Now, you were under the microscope, obviously, as a Heisman Trophy winner, but when you come back, I remember watching you down in rehab games and spring training-type games. There seemed to be a crush of media, and there's a piece of footage that I think everybody's probably seen uh, of you running down the first baseline. And I remember sitting there saying, well, you know, hell of an attempt, but I don't think this guy is going to be able to come back. Do you know the piece of footage that I'm talking about? Yes. Have you seen that, and does it almost feel like it's not you the times well, that you have? I really don't have to see it. I lived it. I, I can actually probably take I can probably take you through every step from the time I left the batter's box till I got to first base and clap my hands once I got there. But, um, but um, I don't sit up, and I don't think about that. I look at my life as... I look, but I look at my life as that what's in the past is in the past. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm looking forward to the future, but right now I'm enjoying the present. Good for you in that regard. It's probably healthier that way. But I just have to ask, as much as I know you've said you don't think about it, were there ever moments or minutes when you said or you tried to assess what type of player you might have been had you been able to play baseball? Injury free. No, because I never got into the sport to be a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. I never got in to break any records. This goes for any sport. I, but I never got in it to be to be on my way to the Hall of Fame or to do this. I did it because it was what I did as a kid to stay out of trouble. 
And as I got older, lo and behold, somebody wanted to give me millions and millions of dollars to do what I, like I said, would have probably done for free. Well, you you certainly had a flair for the dramatic. Tell everybody what you did in your first at bat back. First at bat back after my uh, hip surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it goes a little deeper than that because two weeks after I had my hip surgery, I lost my mother to cancer, and uh, before she passed, uh, she asked me, "Was I going to go back to college to finish my degree?" Because I had about six classes that I just put off for about 10 years. And I told her, yes, I would, just for her. And the second thing she asked me, was I going to go back and play baseball? And I said, if I did, it would be for her. And the first hit I got, it's going to be in her honor. And my first in my first game back as a White Sox with the artificial hip, I hit a home run off of somebody from the New York Yankees. Neil Heaton, by the way. Neil Heaton is the gentleman you hit it off of. I don't know. You got the baseball back, didn't you? I yes, but I but I uh, met the gentleman that got the ball, and I told him the story, and he was willing to give me the the uh, baseball back, and I gave him the bat that I hit the home run with. I gave him a jersey, I gave him a baseball cap, and I signed another ball for him. So. And tell everybody what you actually did with that baseball. I got that baseball. I got it encased in a solid block of acrylic. That's about eight by eight inches. And I also had a little plaque inserted into that piece of acrylic that says, just for you, Mom. And I have it bolted, mounted to her dresser in her bedroom. Well, heck of a heck of a way to come back into baseball and actually... Uh... Really honor your mother, Bo. Bo, let's finish up with this. Some quick baseball questions. What size bat did you use? At any given time, I would use um, I would use um, I would use a thirty from anywhere from a from a I would use anywhere from a thirty three to a thirty five inch bat. And weight wise, I would swing from anywhere from a thirty three to thirty five ounce bat. Now, would it be dependent on how you were feeling on a given day, or would it be pitcher driven? How would it actually fluctuate? It would probably be uh, on how I'm feeling on any given day, because most people think, well, you swing a heavy bat when you got people throwing doo doo up at the plate, like a knuckleballer or somebody that's not going to throw your fastball. And you need something to slow down to, and which I have done. I have hit a, but I have hit a lot of balls out of the ballpark, swinging a 35-35 um, with guys that throw knuckleballs. But I also use a 35-35. It just depends on how you're feeling um, to hit balls out of the park off of guys like Randy Johnson. It just depends on how you're feeling that game that day. Who was a pitcher you love to face? I love to face. Yep. After I, after I finally figured him out, Nolan Ryan. Was it because you knew he was going to be around the plate, but he was also going to bring it hard? You could set in a little bit. Well, yes, but Nolan struck me out seven consecutive times before I got my first hit off of it, and I was determined not to let this cat get the best of me. <laughs> and after I got the first hit, which I'm not trying to brag or anything, but 
But but they say it was the longest ball ever hit in the old Texas stadium. And uh, after that, I couldn't wait to face him. It's just, but I love facing pitchers that you know that's going to come right after you and challenge you, like a Randy Johnson, like a Roger Clemens, and those type of guys. So I'd assume if I asked you the pitcher you hated to face, it'd be a cutesy type guy, a guy that's throwing the no, off-speed stuff all over? the pitcher that I hated to face was Mark Langston for the California Angels. He threw hard, but he was sneaky fast, and he threw a lot of stuff up at the plate. He, but he just had my number. He had, he had my number throughout my baseball career. Mark Langston. And, Bo, a lot of people remember that home run in the All-Star game. I mean, you talk about bombs. You might have held a couple of records at a couple of stadiums. Uh, that thing, I mean, it was frightening how deep that thing went to straightaway center. Yeah, and just like I said, it, it, it was off of a knuckleballer, and I was swinging a heavy bat. <laughs> I was swinging well, a heavy bat. Well, Bo, again, I appreciate your time. I know there's so many other things, but as I said, I just wanted to run down a few of the baseball-type things with you. Uh, everybody here in this part of the world certainly knows about your football prowess. They've heard the legendary stories about Bo Jackson, Auburn baseball player. The last thing for you is this. If they allowed aluminum bats in the major leagues, what would happen? Somebody will get killed first. Yeah. The first week, somebody will get killed. I mean, could, could, do that. could you hit a 600-foot home run with an aluminum bat? I bet I'd hit some home runs over 600 feet with them. I don't with doubt it, by the way. <laughs> well, listen, Bo, congratulations on everything that's going on in your life. It was a pleasure to catch up with you, and I know people around here have been uh, hoping to hear from you from a baseball point of view, and now that we have done it, hopefully we'll catch up with you in the not-too-distant future. That sounds good. Listen, Bo, again, have a great day. Thank you very much. All right, take care. Have a nice one, Chris. When he came over to my locker, they said, this is Bo Jackson, I'm going, <laughs> what are you doing here? You know, you just won the Heisman Trophy. What are you doing in our locker room? And uh, about two months later, we found out why he was there. Get well to center field. Deion Sanders going back to the wall. It is gone. Bo Jackson over. In any place that Bo would rather hit one than over Deion Sanders' head. I'm an athlete, not an actor. One ball, one strike to Listash, and he lines one into left field that's going to drop in front of Bo Jackson. Nielsen around third, coming to the plate. Goal! What? And Bo throws him out. What a oh! Oh, my, my, what a oh! Hey! Where's that music coming from? You know I don't have time for this. But I do. Hit it!